Remember when your grandma watched the member drive on PBS and joined so she could get that sweet Peter, Paul, and Mary concert on VHS? Now you can do the same thing with the Pop Culture Preservation Society. Each of our episodes is created with the help of listeners like you. And you can become a financial supporter of the PCPS over on Patreon.com to help us pay the bills and keep doing what we love. To show our appreciation, we'll send you welcome gifts and give you access to bonus content, like video recordings of our episodes, after-the-episode discussions, and blooper reels from the cutting room floor. Just go to Patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, type Pop Culture Preservation Society into the search bubble, and choose the level of support that feels right for you. And if you're not able to contribute at this time, remember that listening is the most important form of support you could ever give. Thank you. A bereft Josh hired Dr. Michael Burke to clone his late wife from the eggs she'd left behind. Thanks to a rapid aging serum, Dolly quickly grew from infant to teen to adult, at which time the real Reva resurfaced, only to get imprisoned by her life-stealing lookalike. Josh eventually, though honestly not quickly enough, got wise to what was up and reunited with his wife, after which Dolly purposely OD'd on aging serum, (laughs) shriveling up into a wrinkly corpse. Hello world, there's a song that we're singing. Come on, get happy. Welcome to the Pop Culture Preservation Society, the podcast for people born in the big wheel generation who were taught to be kind. Rewind. We believe our Gen X childhoods gave us unforgettable songs, stories, characters, and images. And if we don't talk about them, they'll disappear, like Marshall, Will, and Holly on a routine expedition. And today, we'll be saving those moments when much of our one life to live was spent watching as the world turned in places like Port Charles and Pine Valley, Salem and Genoa City. Today is all about our most memorable soap opera moments. I'm Carolyn. I'm Kristen. And I'm Michelle. And we are your pop culture preservationists. Like sands through the hourglass, so are the days of our lives. And many of those days were spent in front of our TVs during summer afternoons, on sick days from school, or breathless after a mad dash home from the bus stop. What held our rapt attention during those moments? Soap operas. Whether it was All My Children, Days of Our Lives, Young and the Restless, or any of the approximately 20 soaps that ran in the 70s and 80s, we all had our favorites. Uh, didn't we, though? Oh, absolutely. Very loyal. Oh. Very loyal. Yeah. And our um, fans and listeners are very loyal as well, as you guys will hear in today's episode. And what I learned was our Gen X youth was really the sweet spot for soap operas. They grew in popularity from the mid-70s up through the early to mid-80s. And then in 1984, daytime drama reached an unprecedented peak in profitability, popularity, and cultural legitimacy. That year, you guys, the network's yearly daytime revenue would reach their all-time apex, just shy of $1.25 billion in ad sales. And while they remained profitable throughout the decade, it was a gradual decline from 1984 on. 
it would never be that high again. Yeah. It oh was- my God. I can see that though. I can, I totally can see that because it was almost like clubs we were in, right? Like little sororities, like you're either Mm -hmm. all my children or you're young and the restless or your days of our lot or your days. Sorry, it was just days. days. Mm -hmm. But you had, if you didn't watch, if you are a Gen X member and you didn't watch a soap opera, you had terrible FOMO, right? You felt maybe kind of like left out of a club. Right. I mean, what did you talk about at the lunch table? Yeah. It's another one of those things that turns out to have been at its height when we were coming of age. It seems right. like that's happening over and over and over again. Isn't it we're though? the best generation I, ever. We like, really are. Now think about it. We keep every, we have so many episodes and longtime listeners know this, that we keep, you know, we always call ourselves the big wheel generation in our intro, mm-hmm. but we've been saying like, oh, maybe we're the Sesame Street generation. No, we're the, you know, free to be you and the me Brady generation. Bunch, no, we're the Brady yeah, right. Bunch generation. Mm-hmm. We're kind of the soap opera generation. And I know a lot of boomers are going to argue with that because those were their stories and everything too. Mm -hmm. I agree. It was very big for people in the, you know, 60s and 70s that were older than we were. But it just, we have just a a different experience with it, I think. Mm -hmm. Totally. And, you know, they talked about the cultural legitimacy where it was not just, oh, this was something like, you know, old ladies or housewives watched or whatever. This had a broad um, attraction. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to ask you guys, it was so broad that there was even a 1981 billboard charting hit about soap operas. I want to see if you guys remember this. Richard Simmons helps fight lab. Susan's having Alan's baby. No one wants Bobby before his lady. I just can't cope without my soap. It's called General Hospital, T-A-L-E, <laughs> by the Afternoon Delights. Oh, by the Afternoon Delights, of course. Yes, exactly. exactly. Okay, I have a little info about why it, that explosion could have happened in 1984. You're right, there was a certain apex. And I think we can partially thank um, Agnes Nixon for that, the creator of All My Children, because prior to All My Children, soaps were for old ladies and housewives. And the so- and the stories really circulated around older people. And Agnes Nixon was like, I'm going to make this about younger people. I'm going to add teenagers to my show. And so that's when she added Erica and um, Jeff Martin and Tara yeah. and Philip and Chuck. And so the stories were about teenagers with actual teen problems. A lot of sex, like should we or shouldn't we? Uh-oh, somebody got pregnant. Are they going to get married? And then in 1984 in particular, they decided to take all of those teen stories and put them in the summertime when we were all yes. off of school. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so all of the big, like, what yep. are we talking about? Well, Jenny and Greg I was about later. to say, my yeah. most memorable yes. moment came during the summer of 1984. Summer of 1984. Yeah. yeah. They knew exactly what they were doing. Mm-hmm. And I even read, too, the 80s was, um, and we'll talk about this a little bit later in the episode, but there were some real fantasy kind of storylines, things that could never happen in real yeah. life, but it was a way to escape. <sighs> like there was enough mm-hmm. crap going on in the 80s that people just wanted to go and not have to think about all of that stuff. And mm-hmm. I think we will see that with some of the supernatural storylines and things, obviously, <laughs> that could never uh, be in real life. But um, yes. And, wouldn't, and would not be allowed in prime time. Like you no. would never, if you saw it in prime time, you'd be like, that is not believable. I'm not watching this show right, anymore. Right. <laughs> Right. Daytime? Yeah, I'm going with it. Oh, yeah. And it was a huge moneymaker. I mean, so much so that in 1984, ABC also had the rights to the Summer Olympics. And they would actually not run the games for two hours during the <laughs> afternoon and do 
the three soaps that um, all my children oh would my like God. to live in General Hospital, General Hospital, they kind of truncated episodes to maybe like 30, 40 minutes, and they ran all three of those um, because it would bring in more ad revenue yeah. than the Olympics than the Olympics? Would bring. Yes. That is telling. Wow. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> and you're talking the 1984 Summer Olympics. We're talking the yes. Mary Lou Retton yeah. Summer Olympics. It was a big deal when only, you know, one network wasn't like it is today where you can watch every event on over six networks, it seems, mm-hmm. on TV. It was like it was on or it wasn't. And, and that's what we wanted to see. That's what the audience demanded. That's what brought in the dollars. And wow. nobody missed their stories. <laughs> Didn't miss their stories. <laughs> Well, speaking of stories, which was what many of our um, grandmothers and maybe Mm -hmm. even mothers called the soaps, Mm -hmm. I'm wondering, you guys, do you remember when you first started watching soaps? Mm -hmm. I do. I mean, no. (laughs) (laughs) Good story, Michelle. Thanks. I know. I do have, okay, so here's what I do know. I do know that I had three soaps that I was completely addicted to in my, from like, say, 1982 to 19, probably 90, 91. And they all go with a certain era of my life. So I, well, I don't know how did I start watching or why did my mom let me start watching it? I do know that I can say all my children was like early eighties, like high school. And then I stopped watching uh, all my children very abruptly in the summer of 1984. And just a little bit, I'll tell you why. And then I switched to young and the restless. I think there was a little crossover there, but that was definitely my late high school soap of choice. Um, and same with then General Hospital comes late high school into college. Understand though, at any of those times, I could go back to any one of those shows that I hadn't watched in three or four years and pick it right back up. Jump right in. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mm-hmm. started watching all my children at lunchtime with my mom and my dad because they were school teachers and they were home in the summertime. And um, we just called it Erica. That was the name of the show. I didn't know what All My Children was until I got, I was old enough to read, I guess. So yeah, I'm watching this before I can read. Um, And then oftentimes it was followed by a nap. So that tells you how old I was when I was watching All My Children, which means I remember Erica Kane's first husband. (gasps) Yep. Was it Jesus? Oh, Jesus. (laughs) Well, if, if people um, were, could see me right now, my jaw is kind of on the floor because I'm in shock that Linda let you watch I all know. my children before you took a nap. I mean, you wait, wait. wear this is like, the certain woman clothes. Who, yeah, this is the yeah. woman who yeah. wouldn't let you wear mm-hmm. the too tight prom dress. Yep. Isn't that funny? I don't know. And we never talked about it well, ever. She it was just like, it went way over your head. I'm sure something. she did. Well, and it it's did. time I'm for sure Erica. That- Mm-hmm. I'm sure yeah. a lot of it went over your head, yeah. It's mm-hmm. time for Erica, and we would sit down at this little play table. Like, my parents would sit in little, like, little Fisher-Price oh chairs, and we'd sit at the table and eat our sandwiches watching that Erica. the sweetest thing. I know. <laughs> I'm imagining Linda and Gordy, like, we cannot miss Erica. We can't have to find out you what know happens. What? She'll be fine. She's She'll not gonna. Fine. She's not mm-hmm. gonna know it. And let's let's make it like. Don't you want to watch Erica? She's so <laughs> there fun. Are she's so pretty. many elements to this to this story. I mean, and Gordy is sitting there watching. I, it. I mean, it's just like, where's your brother? I guess they let him go do his thing. Well, he's probably napping. Well, he's little. He's a oh, baby. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he's a baby. So it could be that he was in the playpen. You know, yeah. You just, in those days, you just put a baby in the playpen That's and right. left him there. That's right. He might yeah. even have early Erica memories that you're I'm not sure even aware he does. of. Yeah. He's watching Erica through the mesh <laughs> of the playpen. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly right. Oh my gosh, that is classic. Well, 
my first memory is actually, do you remember there was a soap opera called Dark Shadows? Yes, I do. My mom no, I, Dark I know. Shadows. I've, I've heard of that, but I don't think I ever realized it was yes. a soap. It was a soap, and it was yeah. this like gothic kind of horror. There were vampires, and like Dracula was in, and there's like one guy was in a coffin. Um, it was just something. Barnabas Collins was the name I remember. I remember Barnabas. And I love that name. Grow his little fangs. I'm doing fangs. Everyone with little fangs, and like <laughs> you know, they would like bite people in the neck. And gosh, talk about letting me watch that because that was only on for a few years, and we're talking like late '60s, early '70s. So. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I was in a playpen or where I was, but I know that name, Barnabas Collins. I know the fangs coming out of his mouth. And like, yeah, that's in my mind, as is another world and my granny. Oh, my God. This oh, was, and I love both That's such a granny soap. It is. Another, another world. world is a granny soap. And my soap. granny was the one. She she was opinionated, and it was her way or the highway kind of a thing. Um and I distinctly remember this episode where there was some kind of a buffet table and there was a punch bowl and there was, you know, the big ladle in the punch bowl and somebody needed to sip if it was too sweet or whatever. And the person sipped out of the ladle and then they put the ladle back in the <gasps> punch bowl. Well, Granny was having nothing to do. She was mortified. She was going to write to the network and be like, that is germs. You don't put the ladle back in after you sip. She was so upset about this one little incident in, during another world. And that stuck, sticks out in my mind. <laughs> Meanwhile, people are like, you know, marrying their rapists and yes, right. all this but other this. kind of stuff. But she's like, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Right. I mean, this is educational programming right here. You're <laughs> never yeah. going to sip out of a no. ladle and put it back I in the punch bowl. I would never do that again. That's yeah. like double dipping. Nope. Yeah. And I learned that from another That's world. Awesome. And um, and Granny, one of our followers shared one of her earliest memories of watching soaps, and I loved it. She said, my grandmother babysat me before I started first grade. And I remember the very first episode of The Young and the Restless. Oh, my gosh. How, like fun is that the very so first awesome. episode yeah that was With bailey grandma. That was our listener bailey palm is that was her memory i that's think right. that's so sweet yes lots of memorable moments from those early times until yes the 80s and that's mm-hmm. what we're going to talk about today is what were our most memorable moments you guys our listeners had a ton to share and we'll be um, sharing those as well during the episode i'm going to start with my most iconic memorable soap moment and I'm going to also tell you guys that I believe this was not only a memorable soap moment. I think this is one of the most iconic pop culture moments of our Gen X youth. I agree. So my most memorable soap moment happened on November 17th, 1981, when Laura Weber married Lucas Lorenzo Spencer. Now, before we start chatting about this iconic soap opera moment, we want to give you a heads up about how we're going to be handling it. So as the whole Gen X world knows, the romance between Luke and Laura of General Hospital began with, shockingly, farcically, a rape. Rape is not funny, nor should anyone ever under any circumstances marry their rapist. But it was the 80s, and somehow we thought this was believable. So when you hear us talk about this today, please don't mistake our witty banter for acceptance or nonchalance. Because if this were real, it would be too abhorrent to even talk about In soap opera world, though, it's so far-fetched, so inappropriate, it verges on ludicrous. And that's where our ability to make fun of it comes from. If that's not comfortable for you, you might want to skip ahead a few minutes and catch up with us when we talk about something less heinous, maybe? (laughs) 
right. on a soap opera episode. Hmm. Yes. <laughs> I'm not sure, yeah. but yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and even Jeannie Francis, who played uh, Laura Spencer, recognizes how wrong that storyline was. And she was even quoted in an interview not long ago saying, that story was inappropriate and I do not condone it. It's a burden that I've been carrying and trying to justify that story. And I'm just not doing that anymore. When a woman says no, she should be listened to. And if you play that scene, you don't just have her saying no. You have her screaming no. Yeah. God. Well, yeah, it like so. so many things that we watched in the right. 70s and 80s, you can go back now and find so much wrong with them. And um, Jeannie mm-hmm. Francis isn't the only one who's having to apologize for things that they, you know, movies right. and, and But shows she's not that they even were apologizing in. yeah, anymore. Yeah. She's just saying there's just no saying, yeah. there's justification. Just yeah. Yeah. Also, yeah, also like we can't go back. She's saying we can't go back and say, oh, you know, it was the times. It was, she's saying mm-hmm. even then, right. shouldn't have ever been, should have never been a But isn't it interesting line. that this is, I'm not blaming her. This is, we all did the same thing, that she very willingly went along with that storyline, just like we very willingly showed up for that storyline. And I remember being confused, like, really? Would that would that happen? But because I'm 13, I think, well, maybe, maybe that could happen. It was just very confusing. At least we all recognize now that's just not acceptable. And I think that um, that soaps, the ones that are still on, have really come a long way in um, in how they portray a lot of different social issues and things like that. Oh, and I yeah. think they're definitely mm-hmm. on the forefront of um, of getting people to talk about them and think about them. They can be drivers of topics. That's true. Definitely. So, I mean, and, then, and that's why from this vantage point, we can look back at that storyline and and guffaw because it is so far-fetched. I just can't even think of another word for it. It's so far-fetched. Right. And like we've said, and that's kind of what soap operas were, especially in the 80s. You could mm-hmm. not get some of the storylines we'll talk about later, talk about far-fetched. That's even a, a mild way to describe what those were. Mm-hmm. So... Let's face it, we're going to talk about this iconic pop culture moment. And if you did not know about the impending nuptials of Luke and Laura, you had to have been living under a rock. Mm -hmm. Even if you didn't tune in yourself, you undoubtedly knew someone or lots of someones who did. There was a cultural legitimacy to soaps then that, and everyone was talking about that wedding. There was Mm -hmm. a massive amount of media attention that was focused on it. We had, there was a boom in like merchandise. There was merch that went along with this wedding and Luke and Laura. T-shirts, board games, lots of celebrities talking about their fandom of soap operas, particularly General Hospital. And large groups of college students gathering in those communal (laughs) campus spaces to watch those daily installments. And you guys, I think for me, that is why the Luke and Laura wedding is so memorable. It is that watching it in the college lounge in North Dorm, North and South Dorm at Trinity <laughs> University. We would walk back from class through this um, lounge. So it was kind of a convenient place to stop. And I've got to say, I always felt really, really bad for maybe the one or two girls who were sitting there and wanted to watch Guiding Light. Oh. I'm sorry, it wasn't going to happen. Like, yeah, we just no. marched in, we changed the channel, and we, like, you know, whatever, majority rules. And bullies. It was totally. General I Hospital know. bullies. Mm-hmm. I feel really so bad. Bullies. Wait, but it yeah. wasn't during the summer? Like, they, no, that the was wedding a mistake. No, it was during school. But that yeah, was a November. mistake. Think of the advertising dollars they could have gotten had they just said, mm-hmm. let's just postpone the wedding a little yeah. bit. Yeah. You're not kidding. She should have called Agnes Nixon. Yeah, because oh, as you'll hear yeah. later, um, what had to happen for some people since it was a school day, I remember um, some college professors letting people out early for oh, class. Oh, you're kidding. No, because it was, you know, oh what, 3 God. o'clock in the afternoon. No, it was probably 
2 oh, it was Central 2 p.m. Central Time. Well, yes. for mm-hmm. sure, because if the professor was a fan... I mean, if I oh, was yeah, a teacher yes. and a college yeah. professor Gotta and go. I was like, hey, you guys, yeah. guess what? We're going to not have class today. Yeah. And I just think about the um, – it wasn't a permanent thing. Like now we can go on YouTube and, and watch that clip. But if you didn't see it right then, you didn't see it. You No. It's you missed it. And it school. wasn't a rerun. You missed the it, wedding. It wasn't mm-hmm. like it came back on in the summer yeah, no and you reruns. got a rerun. So, you, you got that little moment. Um, so for it to be so iconic and for people – like I. Krista or Michelle, you didn't actually see it, but you certainly knew about it, had oh, friends yes. who had watched it. Yeah. it was, yes, 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 you know, yes. My, I'm sure my dad knew about it. I mean, we had guys sitting on the floor when the, that particular episode was happening. I mean, I just remember that lounge, people sitting on the arms of the couch, just oh everywhere for this. It's as if you were at the wedding. Mm-hmm. Almost. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no Mr. reruns. Yeah. I mean, soap opera actors are the hardest working actors, I swear, oh because they don't get a break. No residuals. No residuals. No syndication. <gasps> Yeah. I um I was not a general hospital person, but like you said, that didn't matter because that's all anyone was talking about. It was in the air, and it was all about what people's plans were. What are your plans? Are you going <laughs> to skip school? Are you going to skip school? And plenty of people did. And I remember sitting in English class, in Mrs. Deutsch's class, and looking at the clock at 2 p.m. and thinking, it's happening. Oh, it's gosh. happening right now. Even though I didn't know who these people were, I had no idea, yeah, but you yeah. couldn't miss it. Yes, the buildup for it was incredible. And then there were some amazing moments in that episode. For instance, um, Elizabeth Taylor, who was a huge fan of General Hospital, becomes a character. She becomes Helena Cassidyne, and she puts a curse on Luke and Laura at the wedding. So she is actually she a guest at the wedding, <laughs> and she asked to be written into the episode. And how oh do God. you refuse that? I mean, my gosh. Um, and we also get a little surprise from Scotty Baldwin, who was Laura's um, first love, and he hasn't been on the soap for forever and she goes to throw her bouquet and all of a sudden who pops out of like the crowd catching the bouquet it was scotty <laughs> that's so great it was amazing scotty's then, gonna be fine yeah he got that's no, good writing really, right there he mm-hmm. was evil especially during that part and then also one of the things that people might have tuned in to see was um rick springfield was dr noah drake gonna mm-hmm. make an appearance but he was needed in surgery. So he was not at oh. the wedding with Bobby. He was not at the wedding? No. And Bobby, oh. who he was dating, was Luke's sister, but he was not able to make the wedding. He Somebody had to hold down the fort, I guess, back at the hospital. So. At General Hospital. Yes, exactly. It's actually exactly. called General Hospital. Yeah. General Hospital. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so some of our followers had some memories from this particular um, iconic soap moment. So MP123 says her favorite soap moment, gotta be Luke and Laura for me, and that I somehow talked my mom into signing me out of school early and picking me up so I could get home in time to see Luke and Laura's wedding. I think that's a lot of people's stories. Can you get your mom to come get you early? Dentist appointment, right? Yeah, Mary, a lot of people, I think, Mm -hmm. were in that same boat with you, yeah. Did you guys know that more than 3 million people tuned in? It's the, is that like it's, the Super Bowl? Yeah, exactly. That Well, it's that episode right is there. the most watched daytime episode, uh, Ever in ever, history? Ever, never. Ever. Wow. Yeah. Gosh. Uh, our followers shared some other Luke and Laura moments that were their most memorable. Melanie remembers um, when Luke was mayor and he was looking out 
at the lawn and he saw Laura, who had been presumed dead. He went running outside to her while Think of Laura by Christopher Cross was playing. I didn't watch it, but I'm imagining him running in slow-mo with all that curly hair kind of going whoosh in the wind, like in slow-mo. We are going to put a link to that YouTube clip because you will get teary. Yeah. Without, even if you weren't a watcher. Right. Well, and we know mm-hmm. that it's on YouTube because then Julie uh, replies to Melanie and says, I watch this on YouTube every so often and oh. still get goosebumps. <laughs> I love how maybe I love that, Julie. That's my people. Like if you're just like, I'm having a bad day. I, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go watch oh, that yeah. Luke and Laura clip where he's running. I'm going to go watch. Him. I think of Laura. I mean, and that also says another brilliant move. If you attach a song to a moment, yes, it's going to stick in your memory and it's going to make you have an emotional attachment to it. And that was good business for Christopher Cross, too. Well, that now that, Think yeah. of Laura becomes a huge hit. Well, and he wrote yes. that. That song is actually about mm-hmm. Luke and Laura. So, so smart. So smart. Um, yeah. So and, smart. Uh, I love how Linda, our listener Linda, made her General Hospital viewing an event. She says, watch Luke and Laura every day after school. Hawaiian punch cocktail while watching the Port Charles happenings, class of 1981 here. (laughs) Just made herself. That reminds me of Carolyn, how after your family would have a party the next day, you would put some like um, ice and a little rocks glass and then some apple juice and pretend you had some like whiskey. I can just see, you know, Linda's just got her little like, she's pretending it's like a Mai Tai or something. (laughs) Right. Well, um, Michelle, do you, what's, uh, since you didn't watch General Hospital, obviously this wedding was not your most iconic, right. memorable moment. What do you, what was yours? Right. Yeah. Well, I watched General Hospital, but later when I was in college, okay. but, right. um, but hands down, my most memorable soap opera moment that to this day, I still, it still haunts me, um, is, is Jenny and Greg and how Jenny perished. And, um, just to set and it all up my a little children. bit. And all my yeah. children, yes. right. Mm-hmm. So, um, And this is summer of 1984. It is summer of 1984, yep. Mm-hmm. You have to know how invested all of us were in Greg and Jenny of, when we were of the age of like 13, 14 years old. These were the two most wholesome characters, and they had this great group of friends. Like Jenny's best friend was Jesse and... You know, Liza Colby's the evil, the evil one who's trying to thwart them. And then they, you know, then they're having to escape and they flee and they, they, they live in Hell's Kitchen and Ginny's almost in a porno <laughs> and all this stuff is happening that's just reeling us in, reeling us in, right? Yeah. So, and she anyway. is, I mean, the, the relationship between Greg and Jenny, he's the rich kid and yep. she's from the other side of the tracks. Remember, her dad is Ray Gardner I'm, the rapist. Yep. Yep. That's right. But she's sweet and wholesome. And so, um, anyway, to set up my most memorable moment, we have to remember that Greg was paralyzed from the waist down and he had broken up with Jenny and she went to New York to become a model and she got engaged to Tony, but she still loved Greg. Oh God. But then, then Greg regained the use of his legs (laughs) so he could love Jenny again and she could love him because now he's whole and they get married. But Tony is so mad that he decides to kill Greg. Well, Tad Martin, who's Jenny's biological brother, plans a day of fun, just fun and frivolity at Willow Lake. And Tony, so mad, don't forget, Tony is the thwarted ex, um, ex fiance. He is so mad, he wires Greg's jet ski to explode during the day at the lake. But at the last minute, unbeknownst to any of us watching, Right out of left field, Jenny gets on the jet ski. 
And as she zooms off, it explodes (gasps) on TV, explodes, (laughs) and she dies. You guys, you might cut this next part because it's probably insensitive. In my memory, it's like watching the Challenger explode. Do you know what I mean? I know what you mean. It's that impactful Uh to me because Ginny is not a – Jenny was not um, a fake. Jenny's not an actress. And you know, you guys, you know how they say you'll always remember where you were when you heard like Princess Diana died or Michael Jackson or Whitney Houston. I will never forget where I was when Jenny exploded on that jet ski. I was at my Uncle Marvin's house in Downey, California. (laughs) You all remember Uncle Marvin, the carpenter's dry cleaner. Um, And I remember being in a shocked, just a fog for days. I couldn't stop thinking about Jenny dying by explosion on that jet ski that was actually made for Greg. That would have been sad too. But when Jenny got on it, you're just like, no, No! I was gutted for Mm -hmm. weeks. I was gutted. And because Jenny and Greg, they were, they were, they were a fairy tale. You know, I said a lot. I was very romantic. They were pure romance. I mourned it crushed me. It was real life for me. And you guys, we've had a jet ski at our cabin for 12 years oh or so. God. And I love it. I love it so much. It's just, it's pure freedom. I love being on it. But the countless times I've been on it over the past 12 years, 100% of the time, imagine it exploding. Always. Oh my and a lot of the times, like if my kids are on the dock, I imagine like, oh, this is going to be traumatic <laughs> if I explode. <laughs> They're going to have to watch it just like I did. Yeah. So what? I stopped watching oh. all my children. Um, that that's I, well, I went, I moved over to Genoa City. I went to The Young and the Restless. You couldn't, you couldn't do it. You I couldn't do it. So when you read on like wiki about all the things that happened subsequently, like, and that, you know, and, and then I guess there's a ghost of Jenny that comes back at some point or whatever. I know none of that storyline because I was done after that. I couldn't do it. Well, yeah. And maybe I couldn't watch Greg without Jenny. gave up on soaps because as we know, 1984 was the pinnacle. And then after it hit that spot, it started to go down. Mm. I want to ask, and we can take this out if it's totally in my memory and didn't happen. Because my memory of this is she actually dies in a hospital, right? In a hospital bed. Like she's doesn't she doesn't blow apart. Because I remember yeah, bawling. I think she does. And he's like talking to her. And that's when I remember like really crying. And he's like, I love you. Let me look. Oh no, it says she dies at Pine Valley Hospital at the oh, age of twenty okay. with Greg at her side. Yes. Okay. That's okay. when I that's the first and perhaps maybe only time, maybe a few times since that I've ever cried at a soap opera. They just, you know, are a little too yes. cheesy to cry for. But that oh well, I and I'll was tell you what. Heartbroken. And the reason I'm sure I don't remember that is that was probably the next episode. Do you know what I mean? I was yeah. when oh. I say I was done, I was oh. done once she Certainly exploded. that was the next day. I was done. I mean, I was mm-hmm. like, I was, I was mad. I was gutted. I, it was terrible. I don't think your, I don't think your challenger analogy is is far off though. Even though it may feel insensitive to say that, the feelings that you got legitimately mirror the feelings you got when you watched a space shuttle explode because you are. You, we didn't expect it. It was like they socked us in the face with a baseball bat. It was disbelief, right? right? Yes. Yeah. So um, a lot of our followers mentioned that episode as their most memorable. And Amy says, Jenny Gardner Nelson on All My Kids in the Summer of 1984. I know it was 1984 because I was also watching the Olympics, just like (gasps) Carolyn said. She had a jet ski accident, and I read in Tiger Beat that her contract was up. 
So oh. the subplot of this story is that my dad had hurt his back, and he was home for a few weeks too. So he and my brother got into the story also. So much so, they were devastated that I was not sad when she died. I had to explain that I knew her contract was up. I guess they didn't keep up on the Tiger Beat news. <laughs> I didn't realize that. That's why they killed off Jenny. Oh. Wow. She was leaving the show. Oh, so tragic, though. I know. I mean, we had been so invested in that story. They were finally together. I couldn't handle it. Because the age that you were when it happened was when you were idealizing those teenage relationships. Oh, my gosh. So much. Right? And you wanted to be Jenny and Greg. Oh, so much, yeah. Well, all my children actually provided a lot of memorable moments for our followers. Our friend Erica Wides, you guys all know Erica from Funny People Making Food, and she's been a guest a couple times on the podcast. She had a great memory to share. So she said, we are not a soap-watching household at all, much more PBS. But in sixth grade, I got pneumonia and had to stay home for like 10 days. My mom had just gone back to work after being a stay-at-home mom for 12 years, so I had to just be sick alone. So Gen X. So I'd watch the daytime game shows and then had no choice but to watch soaps until that first Gilligan's Island came on. (laughs) I started watching All My Children because it came on first in the afternoon lineup and was stunned that there was a character with my same name. I didn't know any other Erica's until high school, so I was fascinated with her. It was the storyline where Erica Kane wants to buy a disco. That's all. (laughs) That was the whole storyline. But I was so impressed that she had the resources and the bravado to buy one. I didn't know any women in business, and it was a really radical idea to me. I followed Susan Lucci from a distance for years after that, and when she finally won her Emmy, I was really thrilled for her. She had made an impact on a little dork on Long Island who spent her sick hours learning that women can be powerful and in charge of their destinies. That's amazing, Erica. Yes. Erica's going to go buy a disco. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Well, maybe Susan Lucci listens to the podcast. Well, well, sure she does. What? Yeah. yeah. That's that's right. Right. Now she knows the story, Erica. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, oh, that's, that's funny. Yes, I love Our that friend story. Colleen, who was my All My Children buddy in college, shared her All My Children story here. In the summer of 1981, my family moved to Dallas, Texas. My brother was away at camp. My dad was traveling on business. My mom had been stung by red ants and was doped up on medication. I knew no one. So what was I to do? I turned on the TV and watched every ABC soap opera. By the end of the week, I was devoted to all my children. By the end of the summer, my brother and my mom were too. Years later in college, I actually did an American studies project on all my children. I think it was possibly my most favorite college assignment ever. My brother returned from the Peace Corps in 1990, and we sat down and watched a little All My Children. Nothing had changed. Erica was still there. Stuart and Adam, all the same shenanigans, and we loved every single minute of it. Oh, I do remember her doing that do project you? and it became, it became like for me too, I'd be like, Colleen, we have to do our homework. We have to watch <laughs> yeah. all my children. It's homework. You guys shut yeah. up. It's homework. 
<laughs> and it's there's story. so much truth in the um, you can go decades without watching. Many of our followers shared some similar memorable moments. Say that 10 times fast. Mm-hmm. Um, Bowen Hope's wedding on Days of Our Lives was mentioned many times. M likes to read. That's one of our um, Instagram followers. Remembers this. She said, Bo kidnapping Hope from her wedding to Larry with holding out for a hero playing in the background. We were glued to the TV for all of it. There's another one of those moments that the song is almost triggering the moment. You know, now when you hear holding out for Mm -hmm. hero, I'm sure that she's um, imagining that. Um, And I loved this memory that society member Jenny shared. I remember being really little and watching Bo and Hope get married. My mom kept me home from school so that she didn't miss it to go pick me up. And then later on in high school, a bunch of my girlfriends and I all stayed home to watch Jack and Jennifer get married. (laughs) You guys, I was not a days watcher. And I remember feeling a lot of FOMO about not knowing the whole Bo and Hope story. Um, Really just for not watching days in general. I wished I felt like left out of that club. Did you guys watch days? I am so loyal to all my children. I had a brief stint of watching Santa Barbara because one of my roommates watched Santa Barbara. Oh, you're the one. Otherwise, yeah, I'm just just a brief. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I am the the one person. We we are the two. You're the two people who watch Santa Barbara. And it's so funny because when we talked about doing a soap opera episode, episode, I was like, oh God, I'm all in. I'm all about the soap operas. I know so much about (laughs) soap operas. And then all these people start saying these names that I don't know, and I realize. I've just been living under an all my children rock. Yeah, but I don't but, know anybody else. But except surely Luka Mora. you knew who Bowen Ho- you knew Bowen. No, Ho- I really didn't. Oh, really? No, I don't. Oh, see, I don't. to me, they were like that. I don't remember what air, what time frame that is. And people right now who are Bowen Hope fans yeah, are screaming it. That was 1980, is- whatever. But I just remember feeling like, oh, I wish I, because I thought they were really attractive. Like I remember seeing their pictures on the front of all the little soap opera magazines at the checkout. And I would grab it and I'd flip to look at all their pictures in the Soap Opera Digest um, and really wished that I was involved in that story. I was a Days of Our Lives fan. I was a General Hospital fan. I was whatever everybody was watching fan because I was not going to be <laughs> left out. Yeah, that's, so, that's very um, in character for um, you, yes, Carolyn. Is that yeah. very mm-hmm. Carolyn for you? So, um, so yes, I remember their wedding. I remember their storyline, which... Um, we will actually talk a little bit about next week, friends. We will be having our Super Soap Couple episode where we'll dive Ooh. into a little bit of um, scoop about all of our favorite uh, soap opera couples. So we'll get a little more scoop then about Bo and Hope. I won't spoil anything now, but they lasted a, a very long time. And I love them. He was Otherwise a handsome as, man. Yeah. Otherwise, they're also known as Bope. There are a lot of these, and we'll talk about that next week. I don't week, like that. There are a lot of these. I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no to Bope. Nope Bope. to Bope. Mm-hmm. Bope. That's awesome. Oh. Well, like our friend Colleen shared her memorable moment that involved her family. I love that. I love that she has this um, this bond with her brother, especially that mm-hmm. revolve around that revolves around all my children. A lot of our followers have memories associated with their families when it comes to watching soaps. Um, sometimes it's their mom or their grandmothers, like we've talked about earlier, and in some cases, like Colleen's, uh, almost the entire family. Our friend on uh, Twitter. Frank Pitteresi, he had a great tweet that he sent us. He said, one of his favorite memories is Luke punching in the ice princess code on General Hospital to save the world was a huge moment in my house. (laughs) My mom and I were cheering like it was a sports event. (laughs) 
Also, Scotty catching bouquet at the wedding was the kind of surprise we rarely see nowadays. Mm. Yeah. And I just... That story is so far-fetched, that storyline with the ice princess and <laughs> the, the whole world princess. was going to freeze. But, oh, and when God. Luke gets there, and I could just see the son and mom just like, yeah, you know, just fist bumping and, you know. And like nervous, like saved. probably nervous too that like he wasn't going to do it in time. Right. Right. <laughs> Actually, I do, I don't know if that was replayed somewhere, but I, re- I have an image in my mind of him going to like put the code in yes. and like the clock is ticking. The clock yes, is ticking. Yes, I don't, I wouldn't have watched that. I don't know why I can see it in my mind. It's another one of those moments, um, mm-hmm. you know, from that show that just is kind of, I'm sure people were going to be talking about it. Mm-hmm. Maybe you saw, cause I do think that refresh my memory a little bit, but I do think when we watch the soaps, there would be the little clips and the previews for the soap later on. So if you're watching All My Children, you probably oh, get a commercial for General Hospital. Maybe. Yes, like, that's possible. Will Luke get the p- code punched in yes, in time? Yes. And that kind oh, of thing. yeah. So yeah. Will you the must... world freeze? <laughs> yes. I bet you're right, Carolyn. I bet I saw commercials for General Hospital because that came two hours later. Yeah. I bet mm-hmm. you did. Yeah, I bet you that's totally how you yeah. saw them. Yeah. Well, um, our follower, Kate Breck, shared her story and she said, I have been a soap watcher my whole life, beginning as a kid, when my mom would ask me what happened on Guiding Light if she happened to fall asleep during it. <laughs> Relatable. <laughs> yes. mm-hmm. And as the world turns was our favorite and it was passed down through generations. That so there's two parts of that that I love. One that you reported for your mom what happened yes. if she fell asleep, like you know her mom, mom was expecting this, so you had to pay yeah. careful attention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the fact that there was this program or story soap opera that your grandmother, maybe your great grandmother, maybe your aunts and cousins watched. Like mm-hmm. you could be at a family reunion and just go right into a conversation about. I don't know who was on As the World Turns. But, I know. I don't have know. any names. Is that mm-hmm. Reva? I don't know. People no. are yelling at us. I don't know. <laughs> no, I think that's Guiding but, Light. Okay. Sorry. Well, anyway, <laughs> they had these common threads of stories that they could talk about. I just thought that live. was really, really I know. fun. Yeah. It's and it's so, it's so sweet. Yeah. I love that. Mm-hmm. Love it. Okay. How about this, you guys? Listen to this. This is Jen. Jen says, me and my grandma bonded over Young and the Restless. My mother would hate when we gossiped about the characters like they were real people. Once I took my grandma out to lunch so we could cope with Victor getting shot. (laughs) We laughed so much over it. I watched it just so I could chat about it with her. I miss her. I can't Isn't even. that sweet? She yeah. watched a show just so she you guys, could chat with her grandma about it. I have FOMO over not having a grandmother when I read things like that. Because yeah. I didn't have a grand mm-hmm. a grandmother that I have memories of. And and when I hear comments like that, I love it so much. And it's it's like bypassing they are the the granddaughter and the grandmother have their own relationship outside of the mom in between. It's yes. really sweet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then EMH John says, with my grandma, it was always we haven't brought up this one yet. Ryan's Hope. Oh, my goodness. Ryan's Hope, All yes. My Children, and General Hospital. She wouldn't take us to the pool in the summer until her stories were over. <laughs> she didn't want us little grandkids to watch them because they were, quote, unquote, nasty. <laughs> oh, my God. That's the perfect description, though, too. I know. Oh, my gosh. I love it. And Holly, our friend Holly's story is one of our favorite memories. Holly says, days of our lives. My mom watched from the very first episode. She watched every day. When my dad retired, they watched together. When my mom passed away, my dad moved in with me and my family, and he still watched every day. His whole day revolved around it. It could be one of the best 
one of the best soap opera memories um, and uh-huh. sweetest that I've mm-hmm. I've heard. What something that bonded them and that he just carried on, yes, carried on. To help it's something. It's like you you bond with these characters to such a degree because you spend time with them every single day, and so they become a part of your family. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. I just I love that, and I love that um, when he moved in with her that she got to see that, and probably her children got to see mm-hmm. Grandpa. You know, watching this and a way to kind of, um, you know, probably still feel close to his wife. That's I what I was going to say. It was a yeah. way for him to carry. Days of Our Lives provided um, like a vehicle for her dad to carry her mom with him to Spend continue a time in the with stories. Her each day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. that's so sweet, Holly. Watching soap operas was not a solitary event for many of us. It was the communal watching of it that provided us with so many of our memorable moments. My dad says he actually remembers his mom getting a dress for the wedding. And and the wedding was going to be at a neighbor's house. And so my dad is like, oh, somebody's getting married. And it turned out that they were getting dresses and meeting at a neighbor's house for a wedding on Guiding Light. Oh my god. Oh, she got a new dress. Yes. Stop mm-hmm. it. That's next level. She walked level. across town. Yeah, for the wedding. And she just kept calling it the wedding. My dad thought there was a real wedding. That's fantastic. <laughs> and that was that. my grandma's time with her girlfriends. They all did this together in their new dresses. Yes. Isn't that cute? Oh, that's so sweet. And I got my roommate, my freshman year roommate in college. I got her to watch all my children with me because, you know, the room is like 200 square feet and I have the little TV. So what's she going to do? She can't not hear what's happening to Erica. And this led to our whole floor gathering in our tiny room when Erica gave birth to Bianca, her only (laughs) child. After so many husbands, we're all just crammed in this room watching Erica giving birth. Okay. That just, I I just got who's dude because I had stopped watching. Obviously I told you I stopped watching, Mm -hmm. but that's like one of those events that was like a Luke and Laura thing for me. I, I remember it was like, oh my God, Erica's going to, Erica had a baby or Erica just had a baby. Like that was a big finally had a baby. But I used to buy those when I started like making my own money and stuff. And also to be honest, my mom would have bought these for me in high school. I loved buying the little soap opera digest magazine. Mm -hmm. I bought those regularly. I didn't have a subscription or anything, but I could catch up with like all my children, even though I hadn't watched it since 1984, or I could catch up with, you know, maybe I read about Bo and Hope. I don't know. But that you just... I would have never remembered her daughter's name or anything until Bianca. you just said that. But yes, yes, Bianca. And I didn't even watch Bianca. it then. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Our follower, Amy Richardson-Brown, also shared, I got hooked on Days of Our Lives thanks to dorm life. Back in the day, there was one TV lounge with one TV, and whoever got there first controlled what everyone watched. Up at the University of Northern Colorado, there was one girl in my dorm who faithfully planted herself in the TV lounge five minutes before Days of Our Lives started, and then fought <laughs> off anyone who wanted to turn it from the NBC soap opera lineup. My roommate was a huge Days of Our Lives fan and asked me to spend one week, just one week, watching this ridiculous show with her. One week was all it took. In addition to riveting storylines, it was a great way to meet people in my dorm. All I had to do was ask questions like, who is that? Why are they playing that ominous music for that guy? Wait, so is she related to that family or not? Plus the ever popular, I thought he was dead. <laughs> and voila, instant connections with my dorm mates. Oh, so true, right? Yes. 
So exactly. true. And then Silver Swavy. Silver Swavy? I hope I Silver said that right. Silver Swavy. I think it's Silver Swavy. Oh, Silver Swavy. I don't know. General Hospital with my best friends while snacking on rye crisps and cottage <laughs> cheese. Okay, that's so, that's such a snack. Of, that's and are so we drinking 80s. a tab too? Yeah. yeah. No, mm-hmm. she, was, she needed to meet up with um, our other society member and have a Hawaiian punch cocktail. Oh, that's oh, yeah. true. Uh-huh. That's true. That yeah. would have been good. A little cocktail well, party. It seems like so many of you and us have college memories tied to watching soaps. Honestly, in the 80s, this is like I said earlier, in the 80s, it's like what soap you watched was kind of like a sorority you belonged to in a way. It mm-hmm. was like you had sisters, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Kate told us, I got my college friends into it, um, and that was As the World Turns, and we would take turns taking notes in each episode for those that were in class. <laughs> All those note-taking skills coming in handy for it as the world turns. Um, We even coined the term OMG way before it became a text abbreviation. We loved Holden, shirtless under his overalls, and Lily down by the Snyder Pond. Oh my God, that's funny. Hold it a little down by the side I, do, <laughs> I don't know, I'm just like any shirtless that's under his overalls. Song. But yeah. I do remember the character who was shirtless under his overalls. Like, I didn't remember his name, but I remember there being a oh, soap wait, opera. that was his look? Yes, he would just wear overalls <laughs> oh. without a shirt under them. Oh, what, without... what town was this? Like... Well, Walnut Grove turns town. Well, seriously, <laughs> oh my that goodness. was his uniform. I mean, costume. What do they call it? He was very cute. Yeah. Also, Kate, like- I would love to know because I, I bet the answer is yes. Did you take more copious notes for as the world turns than you did in like Bio One Hundred or you know Likely. your mm-hmm. art history class? Uh, and then another uh, listener, L. J. Wigan, says approximately 1988 in college dorms TV lounge when Stefano came back alive, we could hear gasps and screams from the TV lounges on floors above and below us because oh. everybody was watching Days. <laughs> I love that so much. <laughs> A collective, <gasps> you can just hear That's it like. Right. Ah! That's right. He's not dead. Can you imagine if you had been in college when Jenny's jet ski blew up? What would that have sounded like Sob- in the just, dorm? There would have been screams and sobs. Like as yeah. if, you know what? Like as if when we watched The Challenger, you know? Yes. I was yes. where I was in yeah. college. I was Scream in college when that happened. Dead silence. Yeah. Golly. I got a real kick out of reading some of our followers' responses because if you weren't familiar with the storyline or the soap opera, they could sound really funny. (laughs) Like Robin, who wrote to us and said, Young and the Restless, when Victor took Michael captive and kept him in the shelter and served him rats on a platter. Yes! (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) Okay, wait, how about this one? How about this one? Billy Clyde sensed the attraction between his wife and Benny and tried to bury them alive. (laughs) I remember that! I remember that. Oh, gosh, yeah. Okay, how about this one? Marion came to Stuart with devastating news. She had awakened in bed with a gigolo, Paolo. <laughs> Paolo. 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 That is, is, if there is a gigolo not named Paolo, I'd like to see. I know, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, and then there's this one. Um, several folks mentioned Riva in the fountain. And I was like, who is this Riva? And why is she bathing in a fountain? Um, and apparently this is also known as Riva's christening in the popular culture world it's known as Riva's christening it's from 1984 and it's from Guiding Light so I was like I need to do a little bit of research about this so it sounds like Riva's christening is sort of like an early me too moment before people even knew that slut shaming was a thing 
But Reva did because in 1984, after years of slut shaming from the entire town of Springfield, she decides to give all those assholes exactly what they wanted. And she strips out of her glamorous cocktail gown and she jumps into a fountain and she baptizes herself the slut of Springfield. Famously screaming it, those exact words, I'm the slut of Springfield. And she's ranting and she's crying because she has had enough. And that moment made a big impact on people because they're still talking about it 40 years right. later. She right. took the power back, man. Go, Reba. Yeah, she did. I'm going to go mm-hmm. find that clip. That yeah. sounds great. And uh, we have another memory from Leah. And this one is so funny. And it's so Erica Kane. She said, <laughs> when Erica Kane faced a bear and told him, I am Erica Kane. Get away from me, you, you disgusting, disgusting beast. You may not do this. Do you understand me? You may not come near me. I am Erica Kane, and you are a filthy beast. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's so sorry, funny. bear. <laughs> do you know who I am? I know. I am Erica Kane. Oh my god! Yeah, you know she has like really a diatribe. Funny? She's like having a conversation with him. Erica Kane. As everybody knows, as the whole world knows, she holds the record for the most married soap opera character in the history of soap operas, and she's also considered to be the most popular character in soap opera history. Mm -hmm. She was perpetually nominated for a Daytime Emmy. She perpetually lost until 1999. After 18 years of being nominated, she finally won. So just a little backstory on Erica Kane, the soap opera queen. She started on All My Children at as a 15-year-old. Remember when I talked about how Agnes uh-huh. Nixon tried uh-huh. to populate the show with teenagers? Um, and so Erica was sort of the antidote to the classic soap opera heroine who waited to be rescued by a man. That's what Erica's role on the show was going to be. She famously had a legal abortion in 1973, right uh-huh. after Roe v. Wade was passed. And then later, in 2005, they revived that storyline by revealing a new character, Josh, who was Erica's aborted fetus <laughs> i'm not even kidding no. it's just so ridiculous it's so it's absurd so apparently Oops. the doctor who performed the abortion transplanted the fetus into the womb of his infertile no wife. no no yeah, i know i know that could happen right oh, it's okay so great. please it's... conspiracy theorists that can't happen okay but erica also famously was the first parent of a lesbian character bianca remember when oh, bianca oh, was bianca. born I think Bianca, there may have been a little... Did you guys read about Soraz? No. Soap opera rapid aging syndrome. So Bianca was definitely a victim of soap opera rapid aging syndrome because eventually she has to be come out to Erica as a lesbian. And from from the, a year's standpoint, she would have been about 11. But on the TV show, she was like 23. So anyway, um, the story, that story of Bianca coming out to Erica was inspired by Chaz Bono coming out to oh. share. Because Cher famously had a lot of difficulty with it. And so then Erica sort of modeled her response on Cher. Huh. Wow. I love that. The more you know. That's right. You know what? um, One vivid memory I have from all my children, and I think it would be that first marriage uh, from Erica Kane. Mm -hmm. A vivid memory I have about Erica Kane uh, was when she was married to, who was her first husband? Jeff Martin was her first husband. Yeah. I believe this is when this (laughs) happened. Um, she wanted to get pregnant, but he didn't want her to yet. Like they were going to wait and she, um, was taking the pill. Well, she would take out her pill case out of the medicine cabinet. I just remember that case. And I think I remember thinking, 
my mom has one of those cups. <laughs> Why is she flushing perfectly good candy down the sink? <laughs> okay, and that could be, there could be another storyline that came later. Either that storyline is twisted in your memory, or it there's another storyline that came later because when she married Philip, maybe it was Philip, he wanted to get pregnant and she did not. And she was oh, secretly taking the little candies. Maybe that's the story. And so, yeah, you could have seen her grab the candies out of the yes. medicine cabinet and secretly taking them. Taking that. Because he right. found her birth control pills, and that's why they got divorced. What year he found would that her have birth been? control pills. I would. Oh, I. I feel like I remember that. No. Four. Wait, with not not the one Carolyn, the one with Philip. Yeah, I, I think been like I, I think I got it. Oh, I thought up. that was I think in that like might later. be the story. I feel like I remember a birth control. Well, pill it could have been. It could have been Jeff. I mean, let's be honest. There were a lot of husbands. So yes. just I just pick remember a name. like being a name. really just dis- like I was thinking, wow, she's being she's lying, but she's yeah. being really dishonest. <laughs> You're right. I think it's the other way around. I think she didn't want to, and he wanted yeah. to. Mm-hmm. Um, but and yeah, that- also thinking like, well, she should get to, if she doesn't want to have a kid, then she should do that. Good oh, for her. You know, I think I had her. a little bit of that in in there too. Yeah. Well, and that is really Erica's character arc from. For 55 years is that Mm -hmm. she's married to people who want her to be a little housewife and Erica was never going to be that. And then they get divorced. She could chase away bears by just saying, I am Erica Kane. I am Erica Kane. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you guys, besides the love triangles and the paternity issues and the kidnappings and the dead and not dead, there were some wild paranormal time travel and science fiction storylines that made for, again, some memorable moments in people's minds. When we pose this question, what is your most memorable soap opera moment to our followers? Our friend Nina, she had a quick answer for us. On Twitter, she said, any answer other than Marlena Podesta, sorry, any other answer than Marlena possessed by the devil is unacceptable. (laughs) And... If you were a Days of Our Lives fan back then, you would agree. Her eyes would turn red. Oh, my God. And she would be – and then she would, like, turn around, and you knew it was the bad Marlena. And so I totally – I can totally agree with you there, Nina. That was um, a wild storyline that we will – I will never forget as a watcher of that. Beth is sleeping says Marlena's possession was bananas and was happening at the same time as the OJ trial, if I remember correctly, which had me skipping classes in college not to miss all the drama. I mean, those two things happening at the same time. That is unbelievable. Again, those are, I mean, uh, I don't want to say, uh, well, would you consider I, OJ a pop culture moment? Oh, absolutely. Oh, okay. yeah, 100% I guess I that is a pop culture they're, moment. They're kind of happy, yes. but that's not happy. But Oh, no, yeah, no, no, no. Totally it was on our TVs. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it was, was on, it our ever on our TVs. Okay, how about this crazy storyline from One Life to Live? You guys, I just can't even believe this. Okay, from One Life to Live. When a blind Clint Buchanan got thrown from his horse during a 100 mile race through the deserts of Arizona, he woke up 100 years <laughs> in the past where he encountered <laughs> Old West counterparts of his dad, Asa, his son, Cord, and his wife, Vicky, in the form of a mousy schoolmarm, Ginny. <laughs> Vicky eventually found her way to 1888 to rescue Clint, only to catch her husband about to exchange vows with Ginny. Vicky and Clint made sure that Ginny wound up with Randolph Lord lest Vicky never be born. Then, with the help of a Native American named Clear Eyes, no, no, returned no. to the present day. No DeLorean required. Oh, oh my, my gosh. gosh. It's oh insane. 
I mean, you got to imagine the writers in the writer's room just laughing until their guts are busting. Like, and yes. then what if we, and it's like, <laughs> it's like, and they're like, no, 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 that's not nearly, you know, ridiculous enough. Like, it's right. almost like nothing is off the table because listen no, to this one. No. This is from Guiding Light. I could not believe, oh I didn't God. watch Guiding Light. So when I read this storyline, I was like, no, no. Oh no, there's photos that go with it. When Riva was presumed dead, again, in a plane crash orchestrated <laughs> by arch enemy Annie Dutton, a bereft Josh hired Dr. Michael Burke to clone his late wife from the eggs she'd left behind. Oh Thanks God. to a rapid aging serum, Dolly <laughs> quickly grew from infant to teen to adult, at which time the real Riva resurfaced, only to get imprisoned by her life-stealing lookalike. Josh eventually, <laughs> though honestly not quickly enough, got wise to what was up and reunited with his wife, after which Dolly purposely OD'd on aging serum, <laughs> shriveling up into a wrinkly corpse. You can't do that in prime time. You can't. And I'm you, sorry, can we talk about Dolly for a second? Is it it's not a coincidence that her clone is named Dolly. Dolly. Because the no. sheep, right? The clone sheep is named Dolly. That is oh, true. That yes, is true. I, didn't even think I just about imagine this. you guys, I the would, first clone ever is named Dolly and it's a sheep. <laughs> it's right. it's crazy mm-hmm. that there's people throwing ideas out like that. And yeah. then let's have her how do we get rid of Dolly though? I know. Let's have her OD on the aging serum. <laughs> Great idea. How does she die? She wrinkles up quickly yeah. into a wrinkly old raisin. And then they I mean it's like it's the most ridiculous like ideas that are in the and I mean, I guess we'd have to have soap opera writers on to answer it. But one, do they think it's ridiculous when they're writing it? But do they see that they're writing comedy or did they really <laughs> think like this is a legit storyline? Right. Would they be insulted by our our take yes, on it? I right. don't know. They have to be in on the joke. They, they have, have to. to be. Yeah, they have to They've be. They've got to be. Okay, I do, before we sign off, I have to bring up Billy Clyde Tuggle. I just have to talk about Billy Clyde because, okay, do you guys want to see, do you guys know Billy Clyde Tuggle? The name is familiar, yeah. I'm going to show you a picture of Billy Clyde Tuggle right now because this could be one of my all-time favorite soap opera characters. And then I'm going to show you the photo and then we'll talk about Billy Clyde. Okay. There's Billy Clyde. Oh, yep, (laughs) yep, there he is. Yep, yep. Okay. So I I got super... Husker dude, when I was recently reading an article in the New York Times about Christine Baranski. Christine Baranski, the Broadway actress, yeah. she's in Mamma Mia, she's in the Birdcage, she had what what she's she's everywhere, right? She was in the good very, wife. Very, yeah. Yes, yep. she was in the good wife. She's extremely talented. So anyway, she talked about how she guest starred on All My Children. 10 days after giving birth to her first child. So this is in 1984, I think. And she did it as a favor to her husband. She was married to Billy Clyde Tuggle. (laughs) Billy Clyde Tuggle was a character on All My Children who moved his prostitution ring to Pine Valley after the town's previous pimp, Tyrone, left. Tyrone, who was played by the second Gordon from Sesame Street. I was about to say, that was Gordon. Yes! Yes. So um, so Christine Baranski plays his girlfriend and the manager of the trailer park where they live. (laughs) And together, they well, actually, they kidnapped a lot of people. But in, in this instance they kidnapped adam chandler and they hit him in their trailer in this very three stooges style storyline i don't know if it was supposed to be comedic but it was it is laugh out loud funny and she in the article she's like please don't google it please don't google it so of course i googled it of course at one point 
they call information to get Adam Chandler's phone number and address so they can make a ransom call. But the number's unlisted. And <laughs> the best line from the scene, Christine Baranski says, I cut up my best magazine to make that ransom note. <laughs> had to be oh my god comedy oh my gosh she was and even at this point she had she was a huge broadway star and billy clyde tuggle that's not his real name i'm so sorry billy clyde tuggle his name is matthew so at this point she's a huge star and matthew is on all my children and he you know he was always kind of hidden behind her star a little bit he was pine valley's best pimp he was really good and he wrote his own parts billy clyde tuggle wrote his own he did yeah i've always loved billy clyde tuggle First, because he was outrageous, but I also just love his name. <laughs> I was always drawn to those storylines. Is that creepy? Like that whole like pro- mm, that whole pimp prostitute, you know? Yes. Like, and I think it was just because it was I was a kid, you know. It was so shocking right. and it was so right. Na- yeah, <laughs> who who was somebody's um, grandma told her too nasty. But <laughs> nasty. I think it was like nasty. I was getting away with something. You know, you're kind of like yes. peeking behind the curtain when you're watching soap operas, and you get to watch a like you said not on prime time. Yes, so you get to watch a mm-hmm. lot of stuff that's so inappropriate. But we had questions. We were curious. I learned about pimps from all my children. Absolutely. I learned about prostitution from all my mm-hmm. children. And I learned that Estelle didn't want to be a prostitute. Right. Billy Clyde Tuggle was making her be a prostitute. That's right. And that's why I eventually tried to bury her alive with Benny Sago. <laughs> <laughs> I remember all that. Oh, my Lord. Oh, my God. <laughs> but I do just want to talk about the soap opera names for a minute. The names in these... In these Instagram comments that people were making were just cracking me up, especially because, like I said, I was living under an all my children rock. So I didn't know all of these names and people just toss them out like they're completely normal, like Calliope and Patch and Frisco and Cord. (laughs) But here's something really interesting. Most famously, the name Ashley. So... This The naming of soap opera characters can actually affect culture because the name Ashley became notoriously popular starting Young in the restless. 1980s. How many, how many millennials do you know named Ashley? Yeah. How many Gen Xers do you know named Ashley? None. So before the 1980s, bef- the, Ashley was a boy's name, actually. But then came Ashley Abbott from The Young and the mm-hmm. Restless. And The Bold and the Beautiful, actually, too. And that was starting in 1982. And then the world of Ashley's is born. And Ashley is still on TV today, you guys. She finally she won a Daytime exactly Emmy in 2018. I think she looks exactly the same. Yeah. And yeah. I've got to say that my um, first year's teaching, I taught middle school, mid-90s. This makes perfect sense, early mid-90s. One year, I had six Ashleys. Oh, my 1982. gosh. 1982. They were all yeah. born in 1982. Yep. And yes. I can totally see those moms sitting around yep. watching, the watching Young and the Restless. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. really hope this is a field of study at some university somewhere because it is very clear that soap operas were a pop culture phenomenon. They played to massive crowds, breaking all the rules of logic and storytelling and art and decency. It was anarchy. It could never be done in prime time. Anything goes. And we loved it. We actually have some fans at Bowling Green University where they have an entire library devoted to popular culture. And we should probably inquire about their soap opera collection. Mm-hmm. Doesn't, don't you think this is something that should be studied? It would be yes. such a, I would, that class too would be one of those that it's like, yes. it fills up in 30 seconds. I yeah. mean, mm-hmm. I would love it. Yeah. You'd have to be a senior because you need senior, seniority to get mm-hmm. into the class. 
Thank you, everybody, for listening today and for sending us all of your soap opera memories. This is truly something that will never happen again. It is over. And we, as a generation, share these wackadoodle memories because it will never happen again. That's so sad. It does make me a little bit sad. But that's why we're here, right, you guys? That's we're right. That's right. We're preservationists. We're saving right. these mm-hmm. moments. You're welcome. Yes. <laughs> um, and we want you to stay tuned next week because, of course, you guys shared a lot of memories with us about your favorite soap couples. And so we had to then ask, well, who are your favorite soap couples? And we are going to share the top ten according to you guys, and with a little Kristen math. So we've got to stay tuned to see just <laughs> how 18, that all shakes out, right? 15, yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. right. yep. And if you're not already subscribed to our email newsletter, The Weekly Reader, what are you waiting for, right? Because this would be a great time. This week, we'll be including links to some of those memorable moments that we chatted about today. And who doesn't want to revisit that emotional scene when Luke sees Laura from the balcony of the mayor's mansion and Christopher Cross is crooning, thinking of Laura in the background. I promise you will get goosebumps. A tear might fall down your cheek. (laughs) To sign up for our newsletter, you can simply visit our website at poppreservationists.com or our link in bio on Instagram. And we appreciate all of your listening ears so much, but we also really appreciate you sharing our podcast with others. That's huge, you guys. It's like one of the very best things you can do. And thank you so much for clicking the stars on Apple Podcasts and leaving a review really wherever you can. Just search. Start searching. Where can I leave a podcast review? And then leave (laughs) us one. Um, But it does. It helps us. It helps us. It helps us get heard. Um, You know, never know. Maybe one day by Hoda, Kelly Ripa, Katie Couric. Mm -hmm. Okay, picky. how did Kelly Ripa not come up? Never mind. Oh, yeah, because well, that wasn't really seventies, eighties as much. Mm-mm. I mean, we really did try. Haley to leave and Mateo, it. yeah. It wasn't eighties. Was no, that nineties? It was nineties. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Haley and Mateo. And to our supporters on Patreon, there are not enough thank yous and high fives and hugs for all of you. Your support is what truly keeps this whole thing trucking. Today, we are giving a super shout out to patrons Mike, Christina, Tracy, Stella, JS, Jennifer, Erica, Lisa, and Natalie. In the meantime, let's raise our glasses for a toast courtesy of the cast of Three's Company. Two good times. Two happy days. To Little House on the Prairie. Cheers. Cheers. The information, opinions, and comments expressed on the Pop Culture Preservation Society podcast belong solely to Carolyn, the crushologist, and Hello Newman, and are in no way representative of our employers or affiliates. And though we truly believe we are always right, there is always a first time. The PCPS is written, produced, and recorded in Minneapolis, Minnesota, home of the fictional WJM Studios and our beloved Mary Richards. Nanu Nanu, keep on trucking, and may the force be with you. Something always happens whenever we're together. We get a happy feeling.